As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so this is kind of a weird situation because the Wizards are playing the best basketball that they have been playing since I started actually beating covering the Wizards since I actually joined the beat. This is by far the best basketball they've played. They won seven out of nine. They're beating good teams. They've beaten Denver twice. They won at Portland. They beat the Lakers in Los Angeles. They're playing consistently good basketball. They're playing better defense. Bradley Beal has been out of his freaking mind, including in the most recent game Sunday night against Boston. And yet, We're recording this one. They've won thrilling games, too. And yet we're recording this one after a thrilling game in which they didn't come out on top. And it was maybe the number one heartbreaker of the year, given the way that it ended and the just the tone of it where they could have gotten to eight and one over their last nine. And they could have won in Boston second night of a back to back when they really played very poorly, I thought, for the first half and another game where they could have come back from down double digits and. They end up losing 111-110 with a Jason Tatum game winner and a Bradley Beal jumper that rims out at the end. But I have good news. Other than the fact they've still won that 7 out of 9, which is really good. I have good news. Whether you're a Wizards fan, whether you're not a basketball fan at all, and you just for some reason listen to a niche Wizards podcast, even though you don't ever watch the NBA, I, I have Ben Standig on the Skype line. So I have him coughing on the Skype line. We don't do cough buttons here. That's that's for the pros. Yeah, um, it's 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 a problem. Um, I really just came on to so we could debate what's a dunk and what's not a dunk, but uh, <laughs> but we can we can also discuss um, the situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's no, I don't believe in moral victories in the NBA, and I'm not treating it like as such. They blew this game against Boston. They had an eight point lead with less than three minutes to go. You got to wrap that up. But in the broader context. You know, you know, I mean, Boston's not at their peak right now themselves. Jalen Brown didn't play all these kinds of things. But it was another game where the Wizards clearly demonstrated that they're playing at a much higher level than they were, you know, just a few weeks ago. Um, Really, basically, just two weeks ago, right around uh, Valentine's Day is when it started to turn around. And, um, you know, I, I think. You know, if you get past the, the, the we'll talk about, I'm sure, about some specifics here late in the game as to things that went wrong. But broadly, I mean, this is a much different team 
and you know rather than talking about are they in position to get um you know the first pick in the draft now we're talking about kind of where they are in relation to teams that are you know thinking about the playoffs uh, whatever that means so it's definitely more positive than not but at the same time that was a really a tough one to blow uh the, the, you know the, with the way they had it like i said up eight with less than three minutes to go yeah i mean bradley beal called it the uh the goofiest shit i've ever seen is that what he said so i don't know did you go to post game ben i i heard Bertans and beal you know ben last podcast you made a huge mistake oh i said i was i said i was prepping yeah <laughs> you set the bar you prepared for a podcast. It, it, you're you're like the you're like the C student who who out of nowhere just gets a gets a ninety six on a test or writes an unbelievable essay, and the teacher is like, "Oh my god, he actually knows the material! Unbelievable!" Yeah. Uh, so you know, now I, you, you can't I, prep can with on off numbers. Now you're like, I think I went to Bradley Beal's post game press conference, which was virtual, and you could have watched in your underwear, and happened about seven minutes ago. I, that is pretty much exactly what did happen. <laughs> all of it, as, as you described it. Um, so, yeah. Um, can, can, can I just talk about Bradley Beal for a quick second? You can t- um, let's let's leave with Bradley Beal because I, I don't think, even though they just lost this game, and I get why Wizards fans would be really upset about the loss. It was it was for sure a heartbreaking loss. Overall tone right now, real good. They're playing they're playing legitimately well. They are playing legitimately well. And, uh, you know, that's still like the two losses are still second night of a back to back. And and like they're they're playing well. Like this was a game which wouldn't have been close early in the year. I really don't think so. Even though the Celtics were missing Brown and missing smart. This, this is a game which might not have been close. They might have just kind of let it all unravel after they had a really crabby first half. And man, Beal. I, I think that was probably Beal's best game of the year, including the 60-point game against Philly. He was killer. I can't remember. Uh, is that a curse on here? I mean, say whatever you want. I don't think the, I don't think anyone listens to this podcast. So if a tree curses and, and there's nobody around, did the tree really curse? Got it. Well, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But I was just going to say, basically, just to emphasize, Bradley Beal is fucking awesome. And, and like... Like I know, like we talk about how good he is. He's an all-star starter, and half the league wants him in a trade, and this, that, and the other. But I mean, it's out of hand. Everybody knows he's going to be the guy to stop, and nobody can stop him. He's scoring in ways that are like he, he, he the fact that his three-point shot. He was three for six tonight, but the fact that his three-point shot has been fairly wonky most of the season, and he's still scoring thirty a game, is an insane testament to just how much he's improved. His handle, getting to the rim, fit, you know, finishing with contact. Um, you know, taking over. Now, look, he did obviously have, you know, he slipped there late in the game with Wizards up one, and that turnover led to, um, led to ball, led, led to Tatum's last shot, which I want to get to in a second. But like, Beal is just great, and like, you know, one of the reasons why I was hesitant about like this, all this talk about trading him a few weeks ago was like, he's really good. Again, there's a difference between being really good and being LeBron or Durant. I'm not saying he's that, but he's a really good basketball player, and. It's not easy to get that. I thought, like, you know, the look, the Wizards broadcast and go over the top, and Drew Gooden was making a comment about, you know, forget trading Bradley Beal. Now he's playing so well. You know, you try to talk some people to come here. That's more complicated for all the obvious reasons. Like, they don't really have the money and blah, 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 blah. But the larger point is, like, yeah, he he he's a, he's a guy that, you know, you should – 
do what you can to keep, not get rid of. Uh, and, it, it, you know, the Wizards are playing better. And I think, uh, to me, I always say the teams take on the personality of the dominant figure. That is not Scott Brooks. That is Bradley Beal. And these they the, the, what we're seeing is, is, is a combination of that. And last thing I'll just say is, I had two different sets of people today during this game say to me, wow, Beal is really playing defense. And I'm going to sort of pat myself on the back here just to say that, yeah, when everybody was crapping on him earlier, my point was it's not like he doesn't play defense. We've seen him play defense many times throughout the years. But when he has nobody to help him on offense and he's being tasked to do so much, he's dialing it back. I don't think that's out with – I mean, I'm not saying that's – ideal but that's just the reality he wasn't not playing defense because he turned into you know james harden and that type of thing now that he has more help westbrook's playing better bertans is making some shots he doesn't have to do as much offense he's giving more on the other end of the court and um you know i just think he's just playing at a really high level and i don't want to just sort of just kind of gloss over that uh, as probably i do at times so beal now over he had 46 tonight by the way 16 of 29 shooting i mean he he was he was absolutely killer. I mean, he was he was unbelievable being able to get to the rim, being able to finish around there. He only took six threes. And he's so efficient. I think there was a stat on the TV. Like he had, I forget how many games in a row, but like five or six games in a row, he's shooting better than 50% yeah, from the field games. in each game. Right, he's 16 for 29 tonight. I mean, that's the thing. It's not like he's taking every shot. He's just ridiculously efficient right now. Um, you mentioned the free throws. You know, he, he just – anyway. So over the, nine, over the nine-game streak – He's averaging 34.2 points a game. He has a 58% effective field goal percentage, which is excellent, and a 64% true shooting percentage, which is excellent. And when you consider the fact that he's doing that at what would be the equivalent of a league-leading usage, you know, normally, the more you shoot, the more difficult your shots have to be, the more exhausting it is, because it's more tiring to take 24 shots than it is to take 20 than it is to take 10. The, the efficiency tends to go down. The more you shoot, the less efficient you tend to be. Beal having a league leading level efficiency or a league leading level usage over these nine games and outrageously high. I mean, 64%. I mean, that's like, that's like Steph Curry having a great year, true shooting from a guard. You know, I mean, that's that's it's really that level. And yeah, it's nine games, but that's just that's the level that Beal is at over these last nine games. And for the season, by the way, true shootings at 60 percent. That is a ridiculously good number for a guy whose usage is, is as high as his. Uh, just, and everybody knows he's getting the ball. <laughs> everyone knows he's getting the ball. They're sending everybody at him. He's just scoring in such a bevy of ways. It's it's incredible. Like they're they're. He's so good. I mean, there's a play tonight. I think he might be the best player in the league at back cutting out of a trap. So what that is, is when Beal runs a pick and roll and two defenders follow him like out beyond the three point line and he ends up having to give up the ball. So he kind of, you know, he runs a pick and roll with with Robin Lopez and he just kind of lobs the ball over the two defenders who follow him to the side of the floor beyond the three point line to Robin Lopez. Now, he's got an option or a number of options on things he can do. What a lot of guys do in those situations is they kind of hang around. Beal is so crafty moving off the ball 
that he notices when those two guys kind of because what defenses often forget to do is once that guy gives off the ball, defenses will have a lapse in communication. Okay, we did our job. We made him get rid of the ball. Quick lapse of communication. And Beal notices that lapse. I, I think he might notice it better than any other player in the league. And he back cuts towards the rim. He got a bucket off of that against the Celtics tonight. It it was just the timing is just perfect. And he gets layups out of it. It's just plays like that where he's running around screens. He's just, I described him on Twitter tonight as incessant. He just, I don't, like if I had to say to you, what's Bradley Beal's offense, offensive weakness right now? Or even scoring weakness. I mean, I guess it's three-point shooting. I think that's how I would answer the question. I, he's actually not shooting great on open threes this year. And, and and by the way, you talk about all his movement. This is why, like, I get frustrated when, especially when it's like a when it, when it's no Westbrook, it's just Beal out there, right? And and he's having he's giving more point guard duties, a lot more ISOs. Like to me, that is taking away what he's good at some of that stuff. But him off the ball is so good. He's really good at moving, and 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 that and that just takes away. I just think that was one of the things that was sort of frustrated me. We get we we can get back a little bit now, and part of it is defenses can't just completely, uh, you know, they have to be a little more honest with Bertans making shots. Westbrook, you know, regardless of whether Westbrook is struggles shooting, he's obviously you know Russell Westbrook. So, um, you know, that all helps. But like, I, I, yeah, Bradley Beal off the ball is such a weapon that it, it is kind of frustrating when they just say, here, here's the ball at the top of the key and just do that as often as they were doing before. But anyway, I digress. By the way, bevy is a very good word. You used it before. I just want to give you props for that. Bevy is a good word. I must prep for the podcast. I like, <laughs> I like, I like bevy. You uh, see so your, your prep is like pulling out the, 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 the source. Mine's just going to like NBA.com and looking up some <laughs> stats. Um, Wait. So, so speaking of moving off the ball, so I went back while you were working hard in the Zooms. I, I did go back and um, kind of rewatch the fourth quarter because I was slightly distracted. And, um, you know, when the Wizards, you know, it's back and forth most of the quarter. But then, you know, they, 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 they get a little separation. Westbrook hits a three. They're up eight. And it felt like the next couple of possessions, like uh, they started pulling the ball out a little bit and started slowing it up. You know, whoever had the ball, mostly Beal, probably a little Westbrook, like they're just sort of standing out closer to half court, kind of waiting for things to happen instead of a, attacking. And, and that was a, you know, a, 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 you know, again, who the hell knows what's going to happen. But I thought that was maybe a little bit of a mistake. This is the NBA. The shot clocks aren't that much. You just got to keep going. And I thought they had a little bit of rhythm there. So that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, maybe – we can dissect the last play that the Wizards had an offense after they fall behind. But when they're up one and the Celtics have the ball, why they, they take out any center so they can have five guys on the court who can switch. I get that, which means Hachimura and, 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 and Bonga, but neither one of them were guarding Tatum. They had Tatum throwing the ball in bounds from under the basket. They had Beal on him. Boston took advantage of that. They went back to Tatum sort of down towards the block and he scores. And I, I don't understand wh- why that happened. It's not whether Beal's a good defender. He's giving up like four inches. So, so I was kind of confused why went, they went with that matchup. So I have absolutely no actual evidence that this is what happened. This is no, no one told me like, Hey, this happened in the, in the huddle. I have no idea. Uh, knowing the two guys involved there, knowing that Brad was on a roll, 
and that that I actually thought he played good defense in the fourth quarter. We were, I mean, was I one of the two people who mentioned his defense to you? You were part of one of the two groups that mentioned defense, yes. Part of one of the two groups. Okay. Well, one was just like friends, more or less, and right. you know. But everybody, but everybody had, but, but everybody both had to constantly tell me Beal stinks at defense, and I'm always like, eh. Anyway, he was good. He was good. He was good. He did a good job. That's part of why I think this was his best game of the year. Yeah. Uh, so you're, I mean, so you're knowing, you kind knowing of, those you're kind of inferring that Beal wants Tatum because they're they're boys and yeah, he Beal wants, he always wants guards challenge. Tatum. So so earlier this year, when I don't remember if I said this on the podcast, I talk about the Wizards so much that the, this podcast is just I don't know this this are 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 our conversations on this podcast any different than our conversations in real life? I have this exact same problem with the football team. I'll talk to people all day long, and then I'm like, wait, did I actually say this on the podcast, on the radio, when I was just having a was talking to somebody idly? I don't remember. Yeah. I've had moments before where things have been reported, and I've been like, I reported that. Like, I wrote that. I knew that. And then I go back, and I check. And I'm like, crap. I am right. It. I must have just like said it to someone in a phone call, and then thought I reported it, so I never reported it. <laughs> and that was it. So I'm going to say this again. Because I don't remember. When the Wizards played the Celtics for the first time this year, Beal guarded Tatum for most of the night. And then, if you remember, he hugged him goodbye at the end of the night for two seconds. And that's why he was out for the following game. Because Tatum tested positive for COVID. And Beal got caught up in the contact tracing with that entire situation. Remember that? I, I do. So as I'm reporting on that Beal situation where Beal had to be out with co- uh, in the contact tracing in the health and safety protocols for the next night, as I'm reporting on that whole thing, I learned during the process, one of the things the NBA does when they're investigating, okay, how much time did this player spend with the infected player is they use second spectrum on court tracking data to see how often specific players come within six feet of the infected player during the course of a game because the tracking data can track exactly where you are at all times on the court and no player ever comes within one player for 15 minutes uh, throughout the course of an entire game. No one does so much of basketball is just running down the court one way and running down the court the other way. And just like other stuff happens, you end up on other players and other games. It just, you never come close to 15 minutes within six feet of a guy. You're helping off a guy, whatever. Does not happen. Beal and Tatum came dangerously close of being 15 minutes within each other. Uh, being, Being within six feet of each other for 15 total minutes during that whole thing. And it's because they're constantly talking smack at each other. They're constantly wanting to guard each other. They're constantly doing Beal and Tatum stuff. Tatum has his ridiculous dunk on Robin Lopez tonight. Unbelievable dunk. Nazzy's running back up the floor, if you saw it, clearly runs in the way of Bradley Beal and slaps him on the ass as he's running back up the court. They're insanely close. They're like ridiculously tight. And they just want to go at each other all the time. Not because it's a rivalry, because it's the exact opposite. Those two guys love each other. Uh, and and they just go out of their way to go at each other. So tying this back into that last play. I don't know. Hard to not put it in that context on that last play, especially so when Beal's having a good defensive night. Sure. I mean, I guess the question is ultimately, you know, no matter who was out there, right? Whoever you think is your best defensive player, you it's Jason Tatum. You probably are going to send a double. 
Well, Rui, did, Rui was late helping. Yeah. Rui so, was late helping. I, I think Bill, I think Bill was forcing him baseline. The help was supposed to be there. And I don't think Rui helped on time. Yeah, I was, uh, but if, if there was background noise, I was just trying to look at the replay. Uh, You're watching viral yeah, clips. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Nobody comes over. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, what does the coach tell them that the players not execute? I don't know. Boston, obviously, on the on the on the subsequent play, when Beal gets the ball in the corner, they send two people immediately. Uh, you know, it just feels like, <laughs> you know, get the ball out of Tatum. You know what I mean? Like, what what's the plan coming out? We don't want Tatum to shoot. So get the ball out of his hands. I know, again, I know these things are easier said than done. He's a great player. But, like, they don't even send somebody over there. Um, so yeah, if, if you're gonna have Beal on him, you really have to send somebody else uh, to get over there, uh, one way or the other. And again, if that's a mistake on somebody's part, well then you know that sucks. But regardless, they you know it felt like there should have been something earlier. Or don't have Beal as the as the guy as the focal point. You know, have him be the double team, whatever. So that 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 was that that, that I guess sort of stood out to me more than what happened on the last play. Uh, you know, maybe Washington. Um, you know, Beal gets the ball in the corner. He's immediately doubled. He's in a tough spot. You know, amazingly got off a decent looking shot and almost made it. But um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe somebody needed a cut sooner. To, Westbrook to get had a cutting lane. Like yeah. Westbrook had a wide. You can see as as his guy goes over to double, uh, they're late rotating over to Westbrook. If Westbrook cuts, Beal has a bounce pass right to him. Like, he has a bounce pass right to him if he can get it off. I mean, you know, passing out of a double team from the corner is never easy. But, you know, Beal's a great player. The expectation is that he's able to make that pass. If Westbrook cuts, he can make that pass. I wonder if he cut. I mean, I think he has a wide open layup if he cuts, to be honest. But maybe Beal didn't know if he had the time. Maybe Westbrook didn't know if he had the time once he saw the double team come over. Uh, you know, Westbrook said he thought they executed the play well after the game. He said we got the ball who we wanted to get the ball to, and the rest is history. You know, we'll, I, we'll, we'll never know for sure, but yeah. And Tatum did make a good shot on that end. Beal was close. I mean, it was a great game. They didn't lose it. I mean, <laughs> they did lose it at that end, but like, you know, the, the when you have an eight point lead with uh you know two something to go it didn't just come down to that very uh very end and you know bummer um on all on all those fronts um for sure but yeah I, I i just didn't quite understand that defensive sequence at the end um yeah can we do, can we do some positive wizard stuff for 10 minutes before we wrap sure um give me one thing over these last nine games that you think that you look at and that they've done well because they are seven and two over these last nine. And that means they've done well. So give me one thing, no matter how big, no matter how small that they've done over these last nine games that you think they've done well. And, and you're ready to say that's not a fluke. That's a legit improvement. Um, I'm looking at the box score. Like part of me just wants to talk about Westbrook uh, to some degree. Uh, because you know that we talked about this the last time I think I was on that like and you wrote about this the other day as well that like you know they kind of go as he goes and he's obviously playing at a lot better clip um you know I mean not saying today was like vintage but you know he had 24 points 11 rebounds 10 of 22 from the field you know we take that the one you know still can't make a, a, a shot from outside the lane basically but but whatever I mean I think that's I think I think just defensively I mean they've just been better 
Um, you know, again, the bar, this is the epitome of a low bar, <laughs> but you know, I, you know, I just feel that they have been playing better. Um, you know, I think you mentioned again, I don't know where you've mentioned this, but that Bertans defensive defensively was, was, was better, uh, today. Oh, D- as D- as- DA said that. Okay. DA said that you're giving um, up, you're giving away points from our Slack thread where DA is losing his mind in all cool. caps about Isak Bonga. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I can't remember where, where, where things were being said. Uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, but just in general, I, mean, I think, you know, I mean, Westbrook, it's still, you know, kind of hit or miss at times. But, you know, Rui Hachimura has generally played better. I mean, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess to your point, do, do I really think their defense is, is, is solved? No, I don't. Actually, I will. I'll go. With this. I'll. I know I've just made like eight points. I'll say this. <laughs> this is a we- this is a weird one, I guess, on some level. You know, between Robin Lopez and Mo Wagner and to some degree Alex Lynn, like their center position hasn't been terrible. Like obviously it's not, you know, I'm not saying they're Joel Embiid in the aggregate to to use a money ball term, but like, you know, they 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 each have something they can do. Robin Lopez just a consummate professional. Um, Mo Wagner obviously really scrappy and Alex Lynn's a big body. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's amazing, but like it feels like it's a little more – you know, solid than it was, uh, you know, after Thomas Bryant um, went down and they really kind of felt fishing to, to figure anything out. They still don't have rim protection and that kind of leads to the Jason Tatum thing in the end a little bit. But, um, you know, yeah, I don't, I, you know what? I don't think I actually answered any of your questions other than maybe Westbrook because I'm talking about things that are better, not sustainable. But no, um, you I, know what? I, I think the center ones, not only do I think the center one is a great point, but that was literally going to be mine. That was okay. going to be mine. This see, maybe we should prep for these things. <laughs> right, so I don't normally, my rule of thumb learning. is normally for the listeners that all know my my rule of thumb is Ben, you're literally not allowed to talk about the game with me, and vice versa, until we podcast because it's so much better when it comes out organically as opposed to when it's like a cage point that we've already rehearsed and talked about and just a general phone call. But now we're saying the same shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. the center rotation is really interesting because who the hell plays a three center rotation? I know Scott Brooks last year. No one, play, no, no one plays a three center rotation except for Scott Brooks for the most part, who who's tried it out in numerous different ways. And this is different than the one last year. The one last year came when Thomas Bryant was on a minutes limit, minutes limit, and I believe Mo Wagner was on a minutes limit too. And so he was playing three centers. But he was trying to play like Thomas Bryant at the foursome next to Yam Mahimi. And those lineups just got destroyed. It was weird and it didn't work. And and this one, he's starting Mo Wagner every night because why the heck should he shake it up when they're winning all these games with him in the starting lineup? And then he's just kind of playing the matchups. And if one guy plays really well, especially defensively, he's rolling with that guy. Like Len, for example, the other night against Minnesota. I thought he did a great job against Towns and clearly Brooks thought the same. He said so after the game and you could tell from the amount of minutes that he got. I thought he did a really good job against Towns. He was contesting a lot of his shots. Uh, He was, he was just kind of bothering him and being super annoying. Uh, Lopez in both the Denver games came in, did a really good job against Nikola Jokic and ended up getting the minutes right Uh, tonight. He ends up getting the minutes. A lot of them against, uh, against like Tristan Thompson and 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 Robert Williams and Daniel Tice and you know Tice was getting a lot of jumpers in in the mid-range but that's what the Wizards wanted them to get 
they're giving him that. They're fighting, you know, during crunch time, they're following Kemba Walker, right, with two guys, and they're giving Tice that mid-range shot. So I agree with you. It's been pretty good. I think Lopez has been good defensively. I do. I, I wrote about two weeks ago in a mailbag, maybe three weeks ago, before this streak, somebody asked me, are there any Wizards who are sneakily good on defense, even though the numbers say they're not? And my number one answer to that was Robin Lopez. And the reason that I said that was because I thought if there were guys playing with him who just fought through screens, he would look so much better because rim protection looks a lot better when guys aren't completely and totally comfortable just with a total head of steam getting towards the rim, right? Most NBA players who are good enough to handle the ball and good enough to attempt contested layups at the rim are good enough to make them when they have all of their momentum going to the rim already, right? So much of stopping them at the rim is not allowing them to get to the rim or at least not allowing them to get to the rim when they're totally revved up. And the Wizards perimeter defenders either weren't staying in front of guys or on pick and rolls. They weren't guarding screens properly. And these guys are just getting to the rim at full speed from the three-point line. It was happening constantly. And there's just not much a guy even like Robin Lopez can do about that, even though you know guys who are attempting layups, opponents attempting layups and dunks on shots that Lopez contested, we're shooting a pretty low con- uh, percentage. I mean, Lopez was doing a good job statistically contesting those, and he still is. Now you kind of see the defense playing better. Garrison Matthews is getting more minutes. Neto is getting more minutes. Neto's a nice defender. He could be another answer to this question, by the way. He's been, last few games, just incredibly annoying. Like, he was unbelievably annoying during that Minnesota game, but I... I think the centers are outplaying their talent level. And I think, you know, sometimes Brooks's constant lineup switching is a weakness. And we know a lot of those times. And we know that there are times where there are flaws in that. We call them out all the time. The Troy Brown stuff, the inconsistency with Bonga, the back and forth. You know, tonight Denny gets seven minutes. The inconsistency with roles, you know, they talk about that meeting that they have where everyone had to define their role. Well, you know, Brooks Brooks doesn't really define roles for guys. He just kind of expects everybody to be ready all the time. I think this is one of the times where the flexibility has worked well for them when they don't, you know, the center position from a talent standpoint is not their strength. And Brooks, I think, has done a pretty good job playing matchups and 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 they've they've been pretty successful playing like that, I think. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, you know, what's interesting is like there are some coaches, Brooks is not the only one, where... We, we like thinking that like having more options, good depth 
is 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 great, but sometimes I think it causes problems. I mean, that three guard, that three point guard lineup he was using early in the year to me was an example. Like he really wanted to play Neto, but clearly didn't feel comfortable telling Ish Smith he was out of the rotation. So this was his solution, which was a disaster and made no sense. But now that Ish Smith is out, he, you know, I mean, it, it, you pointed this out a few weeks ago that Ish Smith was not playing at the level he was at a year ago. Neto has been pretty good most of the year, and realistically. Probably should have been playing over Ish Smith, but it's complicated a little bit. So now Ish is out. It's not complicated. Now he's just playing him, and Neto is doing good. So I think it's an example where, you know, less is more on some level. Um, you know, th- that he didn't play Denny tonight. I'm not going to have a, have a heart attack over that. Denny's had some struggles defensively. He wanted to go to Bonga. That's fine. I mean, Denny played six minutes. He, you know, he's not. it's not his birthright to play 30 minutes a game. And he's played a fair amount. He's, you know, he'll, he'll hold not worry up. about Hold up. Uh-oh, what I do now? Did you just use birthright ironically? I I, I I used it. I, I used it somewhat on purpose to see if you would get it, but yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh <laughs> but, but anyway, uh so yeah, I mean, so like I like like I'm not just it's not being hypocritical. Like when he's not using Troy Brown, but it's like, wait, why aren't you he hasn't played for several games? You're using these weird lines, it doesn't make any sense. In this case, you know, look, Bonga, like I, I, Bonga could have been on Jason Tatum on the last play for or as far as I'm concerned. In any event, um, yeah, I think I agree with you on Neto, and I think Ish Smith being out is somewhat helpful, I think, to Scott Brooks uh, because he now can just use this guy um, and, and makes, uh, you know, I have, by the way, I have no problem with Neto, Westbrook, and Beal out there. Westbrook, Neto, and Ish Smith drove me crazy. I think birthright is a perfect way to end this podcast. Okay, well, I'm glad. Uh, if, if you're down with that, then we're good. <laughs> what percentage of the listenership got that joke? Uh, uh, well, I'd, I'd, I'd have well, to see your... I, uh, I would guess 100% of my Israeli listenership and, uh, what is it, two-thirds of a percent of my U.S. listenership? <laughs> right, I was going to say, yeah, I'd have to see the breakdown of... If, I don't know, if the breakdown usually for me is about like who's listening on iTunes or Spotify, not by uh, other kind of demographics. It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, anything to plug? Tell the listeners uh, about your, your podcast and, and your articles. Uh, I, I will do that. Uh, yeah, uh, by the time you, he- you hear this, I'll have a new article up on The Athletic, sort of a 10-point plan for the Washington football team heading into the offseason and on the podcast uh, up probably as well. By the time you hear this uh, deep dive in the NFL draft with Jim Nagy, who's the senior bowl executive director and uh, Grant Paulson with one Oh six, seven, he and I kind of went through plans for the off season. Uh, so that was a fun chat. So you can uh, check that out. Standard room only podcast. If I didn't say great. And I, I have a story up from over the weekend about Russell Westbrook. You can check that out. If you are not a subscriber to The Athletic and you want to become a subscriber to The Athletic, it's very easy to become a subscriber to The Athletic. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and you can sign up for $3.99 a month and that's going to get you everything. Not just my stories, not just Ben's stories, not just DC coverage. It's going to get you everything. It's going to get you the David Aldridge stories. It's going to get you all of our NBA coverage. It's going to get you all of our NFL coverage and MLB Spring training is starting up. Whatever else you need. The Yankees played their first spring training game today. I'm thrilled. Spring training games are one o'clock. I'm going to have Yankee games on in the middle of the day while I work all the time. 
it's 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 great. And like Lindsay Adler does an amazing job for us covering the Yankees. So now I'm reading her stuff all the time, doing her live Q and A's, and you can get all of that. I'm sure you're a fan of some baseball team, probably the Nationals. Maybe not. Maybe you're a fan of another baseball team. You can check that out or football team or hockey team or whatever. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark for $3.99 a month. I'm telling you, our coverage. The people I work for is unbelievable. It is it is incredibly worth signing up for that. I was a subscriber before I worked here. Couldn't be more worth it. I'm telling you. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Yes. I was going to say, is there, uh, you know what? I'll save this for next time. Go ahead. Have no, fun. no, 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 no. Now, now, now I want to hear it. But I was just gonna ask, like, who do you? I mean, you know, we're yeah, we're telling everybody to subscribe. Obviously, it's it's uh, you know, there's reason we want that. But like, who do you who do you read on the athletic that there's really no reason you should be reading this person, but you just like reading them? Hmm. Well, yeah, by no reason you mean not an NBA person. Yeah, like I mean, you know, you kind of have to read. Yeah, I mean, I mean Ken, to some degree. Ken Rosenthal is just a legend. Joe Posnanski is a legend too. Jason Stark. Jason Stark is uh. I would say it's possible that Jason Stark has more of an influence in my sports writing than any other writer. I've never told him that. I've never met him. I I I, I uh, conjure up the courage to message him on Slack once and be like, "You're awesome," and that's <laughs> it. I don't know him, but he's. I mean, Jason Stark is amazing. Jason Stark is the king of finding weird, fun stats and just somehow finding ways to turn them into stories and he writes with such enthusiasm about baseball i mean you can just there's you know some writers you can tell you read their stories you could just tell how much they love their jobs you know in each sentence they just write with such incredible joy jason stark to me is the ultimate one writes with such joy just the best i like it he's the best who are your guys or girls I ran. I ran into when when the Nats were in the World Series here. I ran into Jason Stark. I'd been at the uh, Athletic for about ten seconds at that point, or a couple months, and I ran into him. And um, I never met him before, but um, yeah, it was nice and you know all that. Um, well, I mean, like I don't like I don't really have to read like everybody on the on the NFL. I mean, per se, but like Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams, she always comes up with like these crazy angles. I'm always like, how the hell on earth do you find one? She had one the other day. Like at the Super Bowl, you know, they had they, they had like a bunch of medical, work, you know, first responders, medical workers, things like that at the game. And like this couple was coming or I don't know if they were a couple, but like two were coming back to Los Angeles. And while on the plane that they were on, somebody was having an episode of some sort and they basically diagnosed this person in there. They had the plane go divert to Houston or somewhere. And basically, they saved this person's life. If they had waited another like half an hour, a person would have died. And I know that has nothing to do with football, but like she's always come by these angles. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild. And I will just also then just plug our, our local colleague, although I guess now she's big shot, but uh, Brit, Brit Giroli, the same thing. Like she, I, like it's, her stuff is most is is a lot of the baseball angles. But um, I mean, you know, we we talk about people who like are plugged in and. I think that term can get overused just like a lot of things, but like she's like talking to all kinds of people because her stories are not just, hey, this is how the Nats need to do a better job turning the double play. She's writing all kinds of interesting stuff, fun stuff, serious stuff. And it's really just, uh, you know, quite impressive as somebody who's doing what, what I'm doing to be like, you know, holy crap. I need to uh, I need to start thinking more because other people clearly are using that, that thing above their neck and I'm not using it enough. 
She kills it. She's great. Our baseball team is the best. Our baseball coverage is unbelievable. Peter Gammons, too. Our our baseball coverage is is just amazing. It's the best. If you're a huge baseball fan, it's so worth it. And I have no skin in the game baseball. I've never covered a Major League Baseball game in my life. I just love baseball. love following it. And our baseball coverage is unparalleled. Anyway, you want to sign up for all that. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. $3.99 a month. Totally worth it. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark if you're not a subscriber and you're randomly listening to this episode. You can sign up wherever you are listening to this episode. I'm sure you can sign up wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave a review if you're feeling generous, you enjoy the show. You can tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Spread the word via word of mouth. Uh, leaving the written reviews is is always more helpful. Than, uh, than you might imagine. So if you go on iTunes, you leave a written review. That's super helpful. Give us five stars. I just begged my listeners to read written reviews the other day. Like I literally spent three minutes pleading with them to do that. <laughs> because so like, I, leave a like review Al, for standing room only while you're at it. Well, because like, I don't know if you know, but like Al Galdi, who was on 980 and then he got let go. Like he started his own podcast. And like he was like, forget just, he was like a top five podcast of all sports, like with Bill Simmons. I'm like, what the hell? And like, I mean, that does a good job. He's just a local guy. And I look within the first week, he had almost 400 written reviews. And I'm like, okay, people, you guys are great. I love my, I love the, anybody who supported me is fantastic, but I, we're kind of slacking here. I mentioned this before, but we need to get serious about this. And a bunch of people did go do that. So go do that for Fred too. It does help. They, they tell us. So go, go, go do that. So they say, uh, I'll be back with another episode. I'll probably do something wrapping up the first half, either shortly after the first half. I mean, the Wizards play their last game before the All-Star break on Thursday. Then they got the All-Star game. Might do something after the All-Star game. We'll probably do something wrapping up the first half. Might do something after the All-Star game. We'll see. So probably with a new episode later this week. If not, then really early next week to preview the second half. Otherwise, whenever I'm back, I'll talk to you guys then. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.